Octopus is a podcast created by three mates, Mitch, Kippy and Dillo. This eclectic trio will discuss all their favourite topics, beers, ball sports, beers, banter and so much more. They'd like to thank and give a huge shout out to podcast partners, Noodles, for exceptional graphic design, and Visus, for streetwear from the Murray Lands. So make sure you hit up both Noodles and Visus. Now it's time to sit back and prepare yourself for all the banter that is the Bearded Triplets. This is your game now, gentlemen. Episode 3, Season 1 of the Bearded Chippers Podcast. My name is Mitch, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow Bearded Warriors. First one being Kempi. How are you, champ? Very good, thanks. Carlton's recorded another win, which is fantastic against the Bombers. I always love getting stuck in the mates. And the Mopo Tigers have gone double victories in the seniors, so life's good. Fantastic. And Dillo, how are you, buddy old pal? I'm great, mate. I just love how you just champed Kempi and you didn't even flinch. <laughs> Not, another reaction. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely champed him. Fantastic. Flog one, flog one week, champ the next. <laughs> <laughs> now, another fortnight has passed. It's been a bit of a struggle once again to get through the Crows' uh, hate and the crap they're dishing up on the field. But speaking of the Crows, we'll have a former South Australian footy legend join us later in the podcast, which is really exciting. So stay tuned for that. And just thanks to everyone for their support, as always. If you're listening to the show, remember to like us on Facebook, rate and subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast app. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and spread the word to your mates. Now, also, just quickly, if you or anyone you know would like to sponsor our show, get in touch with us via message or via email. Now, Kempi, you've had back-to-back good ones the last two weeks, episode one and episode two. Let's get another cracker this time. So with a great beard comes great responsibility. So let's talk beards. Because if your dad doesn't have a beard, you've got two mums, two beardless mums. Thanks, mate. Yes, um, I've been trolling the internet and found an interesting fact. And we all know the internet never lies. Whatever you read on the internet is always true. So I'm thinking this is true. So this uh, one comes from the world of film. And when Hercules was being filmed, Dwayne Johnson was the star. And he actually agreed to wear a beard made out of yak testicle hair. <laughs> yes, that's right. And The Rock, he said that it took three hours to put the beard on every day that he was on set. So every day he had three hours of someone attaching yak testicle hair to his face. So why, why have they chosen yak testicle hair out of everything? That's, that's just bizarre. That's obviously the most beard-like. But it actually brought me to... A funny story. Now, I've heard this from a mate, so hopefully it's one of the, um, our valued listeners that could verify this. But I heard on a buck show there was a guy, um, everyone on the, uh, on the bucks went and plucked some um, proverbial pubes out of their genitalia region. <laughs> and so everyone got all their pubes together and stuck it on this fake beard and made the buck wear this beard <laughs> of all their <laughs> testicle hairs on it. And then not until right at the end of the day, they've told him that he had his um, face covered with their testicle hit hairs and <laughs> they hit the roof. Oh, that's messed up, mate. That's yeah, proper that's so messed grim. up. That yeah. is grim. It's like that uh, South Park episode with Scott Tenneman. He makes uh, Cartman at his own pubes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's tidy this up, I reckon. Uh, <laughs> We're a bit of a rough start here, boys. No, that's all right. Triple treat. I like that, Kevin. Bang, bang, bang. Now, there's been a bit happening around the place in the sporting realm over the past fortnight, so let's get it stuck into ball sports. 
Rightio, gents, what caught your eye in rounds four and five of the AFL footy season? Start with you, Kepi. Uh, well, just only recently, the uh, Brownlow favourite, if you ask everybody, Nufty around, uh, Matt Rowe's done his shoulder. I thought that was uh, probably something you need to talk about straight off the bat. Um, obviously, the Suns are going along great guns at the minute, but oh, I don't know. I, I thought about it for my lock. It almost, that's the Suns' season over. Matt Rowe going down. Thoughts? See, I, I disagree to an extent. I thought they were pretty impressive without him yesterday. I was going to chat about that as well. Um, when he went down, obviously the first quarter, they were um, four goals to one down, but they turned around really well after that. Noah Anderson got his hands on the footy a fair bit. And you take out that last quarter, and they were pretty pretty impressive yesterday, and they showed that possibly they can do it without him. They're going down to Geelong, a young team, um, you know, were in the game for three quarters. I thought they went too bad. Yeah, I didn't actually watch the game because we had local footy, but I just sort of looked around the timing, sort of, yeah, he went down in the first quarter and then they progressively sort of got out of the game from there. But it will probably show um, or give the chance for the other guys that probably haven't been getting much attention to see what they're actually like with someone like that. Like they can spread the load a little bit more, I guess. Yeah, like, yeah, like I said, Noah Anderson was, he was terrific yesterday. Yeah, yeah and it was at, uh, at uh, Cadenia Park as well. So... Mm. Um, you know, getting within five goals. There's been a lot of good teams that have done that over the years. So I think that think they'll be okay. I, I thought it's clear that Brisbane are the real deal. It pains me to say that. Uh, Crows have been rubbish. So hopefully we can lock off Frio today without their champ Nat Fife. But this goes back to what you said um, earlier, Nico. Now I think that the Bulldogs are the real deal. They've won three in a row. GWS have also beaten North and the Swans. That's without Liam Hunter, without Aaron Norton at stages, and more recently, Josh Dunkley. Liam Hunter? One, who? Liam Hunter? Did I say Liam Hunter? I meant Lockie Hunter. Anyway. He probably wishes he was Liam Hunter. He's <laughs> yeah. A lot, lot better press. <laughs> I've, um, yeah, I've, I've stitched myself up there. But it might not, I don't think it's by design um, because... It's this year, like Bontrepelli, I had a look. He's only averaging 17 touches a game, albeit shortened quarters. But he's going at 66%. Um, it's the support cast that's impressed me. So you've got Libba, he's back and he's providing some grunt in the middle there. 19 touches a game um, at 67%. But Caleb Daniel, tough, elite skills, 19 touches, going at 86%. Um, McRae, he's also a star. And even the other ones like Josh Bruce, Mitch Wallace, Josh Shackey in the match last night, they're all hitting the scoreboard. So... I think they're back on track, the doggies. Yep, I yeah. agree with you, mate. I don't. I, they might be winning a few, but they've got a lot of. They've got just got a lot of guys that are hit and miss. I don't trust Luke Beveridge. Like he changes, like all those guys. That could be out next week. He just changes the side around. He, yeah. I, I, look, I think they're good when they're going. Uh, I suppose that's obvious. They're good when they're going good, but when they've got a roll on, they're fine. But they're easily shut down, and they go on really bad runs at the same time. So all those players are going good. Yeah, this week, but. You know, next week, Josh Bruce probably gets duck eggs. You know, someone else gets, you know, Mitch Wallace probably doesn't find it. Like, they've got a lot of guys that just go missing for too long. Yeah, I think that's been the perception of the last few years and definitely the start of this year. But I I think it's pretty impressive to see those guys actually, like, Libba's played every game, Caleb Daniels played every game. Um, and they're actually having better years than Bontempelli stats-wise. I don't know about impact, but... Um, Bontempelli's impact a- in the first couple of games was tremendous. Yeah, but the, just the last couple of weeks when he's been like he 
he responded against GWS, but last night yeah. he had 12 touches. Yeah, okay. And and they knock off, like, the Swans and North the last two weeks, like, they're not pushover size by any means. Yeah, yeah. I just think they lack consistency. That's my thing. But, yeah. just got balls in the midfield, though. Big boys that throw their body around. That's the sort of guy you want, guys you want on your side come finals time, I think. Yeah, and I do agree with you. Um that uh, the Lions are the real deal. Like, I only caught glimpses of it last night, but they looked like they were flying. Lockie Neal's, like, don't tag him at your own peril. Like, if so- someone's got to sit on the bloke. Like, he's just absolutely carving up. And maybe, I just think that... Maybe yeah, Port's got- prison bars would have helped. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> instead, like, and- of wearing the, instead of wearing the Farmers Union iced coffee jersey. Uh, yeah, that was a horrible, horrible game. At- and they've got mids, like, I think a formula to win a flag is having goal-kicking midfields because, like, you know, big forwards can go quiet in finals. So if you've got midfield that can pick up the slack now, you know, last, uh, last week he didn't kick a goal through the big sticks, but he kicked the goal through the big one and the little one kicking six points. And I don't know if any of you guys caught that on social media, that poor punter that had a multi for 20 grand or something yeah. and all he needed was Lockie Neal to kick a goal. You'd think you're an absolute Monty when he's had six shots on goal and he's kicked friggin' six points. Like, F me. I think he's yeah. uh, Up until he kicked a goal last night, at one stage he'd kicked nine points in a row. Yeah. So, but he's, he's kicked a few goals this year too. So, uh, yeah. Is Orko's not playing at the moment, is he, Nick? No, he's, he's got an Achilles and calf so, this year. So hopefully he can get back. And he's another one that can kick goals out of the middle as well. Well, he'll probably come back and just play forward, I'd imagine, because they've got guys like Jared Berry and Jared Lyons last night was... Outstanding. He was now, best on ground by a country mile. How the hell can you have a player like him get let go? Firstly, I know the Crows had a lot of midfielders at the time, mm. but how can they get rid of a bloke like him? And then the Gold Coast, like, wouldn't you have Matt Rao go down? Wouldn't Jared Lyons be like the perfect person to steer the ship? Like, how? Yeah. I don't well, get the, it. The issue was apparently you know, they weren't happy with his defensive running and certain aspects of his game. And, and I, was don't a, that, I don't think that's a reason to get rid of the bloke. Was, and it was a bit of a salary cap dump too, so they could get rid of a bit of money off their cap. Yeah. What yeah. he was actually putting out on the park. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been, he's been brilliant since joining us. We've, I suppose, like, what, what is it? We're, we're 12 o'clock at the moment, so we're half an hour away from the Battle of the Wooden Spoon. So it will be interesting to see hey, what prime happens. Hey, time there. into America. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, right. game, why don't you, the AFL? Fuck me. Yeah, so I've basically just killed off um, all the American audience by showing them that filth. Up yeah. front, but Could anyway. Last night's game on. So, to, like, if cool. if the Crows can't beat Fremantle without Nat Fife, they'll be the first team, and I don't know how long to go duck eggs yep. for the whole year. They won't win a game if they can't I, beat Fremantle. I agree. Speak, I can't see them getting a win from anywhere. Be cool. Be cool. Who are they going to cool. beat? Though? Be cool That's for them. To I what? Big, big cool. What do you mean, big cool? Not cool. Who are they going to cool. beat? I don't know. Someone. <laughs> Carlton maybe <laughs> like, I think like Fremantle hasn't won a game but they've showed enough against some quality sides yeah, that be they the could win and they've got blokes that have got star power like Michael what do you Walters mean? Nat Crows, Fyre, Crows were good last week for two minutes should have got <laughs> yeah. beaten by 100 points apparently but, but when you, like if you have a look at the Crows like you get like you can't really see anyone on the Crows list walking into a top four side but a Michael Water- Walters or a Nat Fife could walk into Rory a top Sloan four. can't Sloan walk could. into a top four side. No. Sloan could. You're fucking no. kidding me. Sloan get a There's kick in two F's now in a row. He he hasn't he hasn't got a kick in for how long? Like 
he's, he's playing in the bottom side. And he's injured. He's been injured all season. Don't disrespect Rosa. Patrick Cripps almost won the Brownlee oh, in the bottom fuck side. Off. <laughs> like I'm not Brendan happy. Favola won the bloody common medal playing for the bottom side. Like, give me a spell. If you're half good, you'll get a kick. He's you're not rating Rory Sloan. No, he's carrying the I think he's a well. great player, but I said a top four side. So would, would Rory Sloan walk into Collingwood's midfield? Is Collingwood the top yes. four side at the moment? I don't know if they are. Would they, he would, would he? You, so right, so would you'd, he? Back to Jared Lyons. You would rather Jared Lyons than Rory Sloan? Yeah, at the minute, for sure. He kicks goals. He, he's getting bulk football. You're hate for the damaging. Your hate for the Crows has warped your sense of reality, but that's just oh, me. Well. Oh, look, I love Rory Sloan as a bloke, and I think he's a really good footballer, but he's battling at the moment. So are the Crows, mate. So are the Crows. Anyway, St Kilda, another team that are on a heater at the moment. Um, their coach, Brett Ratton, is one of the recycled coaches, I guess you could say, going around the AFL system. Fellas, a few questions for you. Who else is out there besides Rats? Is anyone else impressing you, and do you think there's something in it that AFL coaches are better second time around? I think there is. I, I, I just think it's ridiculous that these coaches don't get another gig. I, I think it's fantastic that Rats has. Um, obviously, he's an experienced coach and was probably pretty unlucky, Kempi, to get let go at Carlton. You know, he was, oh, was probably the one of the worst calls in most recent time in any football for Carlton mm. to let him go for Mick Moldau. So he absolutely fucked the club, to be pretty honest. Yeah, no, he um, was pretty and, poor. Yeah, and you just look at Rat and the way he handles himself in the media. Like, he never puts a foot wrong. He's always sort of calm. Like, St. Kilda are flying at the moment. I, I think he's. I think there's a lot of um, upside for a recycled coach um, with that sort of learnt experience, for sure. Is yep. there anyone... Is there anyone... I, like I had, obviously, Michael Voss gets talked about a fair bit in the media. Justin Lepich, I know he had a bit of a battle yep. up at Brisbane, but he's obviously been an assistant at Richmond over the last couple of years. And obviously... It's been a while now, but Brenton Sanderson's been at Collingwood for quite a while. So I don't know whether he's one that might be able to get up in, in the mix. But have you guys got any specific names besides those three? Well, probably the one uh, that stands out for me is he's not in an AFL system at the moment. He's down at Port Melbourne. But Gary Ayres has been coaching AFL for a long time and winning a lot of flags. Um, obviously, did his time with the Crows and, and Geelong uh, prior to that. But he's been really successful down there. It wouldn't surprise me to one day see him in an AFL system. Yeah, I like um, like Michael Voss. Like he's gone outside his comfort zone, come to Port Adelaide, um, so I can sort of see him um, going well. Lepich is a bit different because he did Brisbane fail there, and then he went back to Richmond where he was before. So I would have liked to maybe see him go somewhere else to fly his trade, you know, outside his comfort zone. But I don't know what you guys think. You reckon after this year, John Wellsford's obviously gone. Mm-hmm. Would he be in the mix or a Chris Scott? See, see, my. Sorry, you Brad, go, Nico. Brad Scott, you mean? Brad Scott. Sorry, yeah, Brad Scott. Yeah, I don't know. I think Brad Scott's got there's a bit of there's something about Brad Scott that yeah, people the clubs weren't keen on him last year, and even the AFL um, weren't overly keen on him. It was a bit bizarre because I mean he had a reasonable record at North Melbourne, um, played finals a few times. Yeah, pretty but, good. Yeah, so two prelims. Yeah, yeah, um, and then you know I, I don't know. It's a it's a hard one because. And Lepich is the other one you, you mentioned there. You know, he, reportedly he came back to Richmond and did wonders with their, with their forward line. Um, so, you know, going with the, with the smalls and, and just putting it all about pressure and, and empowering Jack Rewalt and things like that. So, yeah, it's, um, you'd like to see him get another go. Yeah, ultimately we are only outsiders looking in, but, yeah, it's just interesting, I think. 
Mm. Yeah, so I got a bit of a theory on it. Like, there's, I think there's a sweet spot with coaching. So obviously, we spoke before about Mick Mulhouse. Um, he obviously coached. I didn't start. He was at the doggies, but his main ones were obviously West Coast and Collingwood. And then he came back probably a third time, um, obviously with the Carlton, and he was probably a little bit, without being ageist, but a little bit past it, I think. And the same thing with Rodney Ede. Like he, he was at um, the doggies and and Sydney. And then he came up with the Gold Coast. Yeah. And he's obviously almost a generation too far. So there's a bit of a sweet spot. So it's almost like first crack, you're in the deep end um, and you're seeing David Teague and Reshaw respond pretty well at the moment. But it's almost like second go is your perfect sort of sort of zone. But when you get to the third, you're almost too far gone. So I don't know if there's something in that, but there seems to be a bit of a sweet spot there. Yeah, Chris Fagan's probably the one that's bucked the trend. I think he's the oldest coach in the AFL at the moment. But he, he spent a yeah. lot of time. At, He's um, an administrator first, though, wasn't he? Uh, he was a coach originally, and then yeah, he he um he was a, obviously a football director, I think, down at Hawthorne when they were successful. Um, worked yeah. under Neil Danaher as well at Melbourne. So it's um, a, I don't think it's an age thing or how many times you coach. It's a mindset thing. If you're prepared to move to change, with the, yeah. yeah, move with the times, and I think you adapt. Like I think Chris Fagan just seems like that type of bloke that is, you know, up with everything. Where like Mick Moldas and Rodney E seem to be that stubborn type that it's my way or the highway. Grumpy old men, mate. Yeah, and then it just ups, obviously upset a lot of their players at the time and hence the death of them. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, boys, hubs are back on the agenda for the AFL. Are there any specific teams you think will either excel or struggle? I don't have any specific teams. I just think younger teams with less um, attachments, I suppose, like doesn't don't have families, um, all that sort of stuff seem to be doing better for the ones at the moment for the teams that sort of have that older demographic of players that have a, a few more um, items that, um, at home that they're close to that may or may not affect their football. I don't know what you think, Nick, but that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, that's been the concern, hasn't it? You know, I think a few of the Richmond players have voiced that concern about being away from their families and things like the thing that. With they Richmond- may not go to the hub. The thing with Richmond, though, Nico, is I don't know if they've got, like, that. you see them, like, I don't want to write off the Tigers, but in general... Yeah, write them off. In, the, in general, um, they, they've won two flags in three years. They might not have the hunger anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just don't know if they're, like, even if it was a normal season, it doesn't just look like the way they're running around. It doesn't look like they've got much. Like, despite all the... All the stuff around the hubs, I still think they'd struggle anyway, but that's just me. They're slow starters. Of, I mean, even the past couple of years when they've won the flags, they've been slow starters to the year. So I've got no doubt they'll find their mojo at some stage, but they do like playing up in Queensland. They, I don't think they've been beaten at the Gabba in, oh, geez. That's because they play one game there every four fucking years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, get, and against my ordinary mob as well. But yeah, they don't mind playing up there. So it'd be interesting to see how they go. Yeah, I think... This like the next four or five weeks is going to be moving time. Like this will, if you're in the top half, if you can do well, um, you'll find yourself in the finals come the end of the year. And if you're in the bottom half and you don't handle it, you're basically putting a line through yourself for finals. Like this, this the next five weeks will be um, moving time. I think. Yeah, crucial for Port. I think next five weeks. Obviously losing last night. I think um, they need to get a couple more wins against some quality opponents. That's been yeah. <laughs> been the knock on them so far. You can only play who, who's put in front of you, but I agree. Like they've beaten the Gold Coast like twelve 
15 weeks ago. But they were, they've shown to be pretty good um, with Rao. And then they've obviously beat the Crows. Frio on a struggling West Coast. And then they get smacked by the Lions. So be interesting to see how they respond for sure. Uh, moving into our Build Your Ultimate Footballer segment now. A bit of feedback from our socials to start with from our right leg selections. Matt Greathead on Facebook and Daniel Joyce on Instagram wanted Darren Jarman. Tom Castares on Facebook wanted Shannon Bungahern. And Clay Leckie on Facebook also wanted Nathan Buckley. Oh, yeah. What are your thoughts on that, gents? Yeah, they're all quality players, aren't they? Yeah. We, we, we might have heard there, not including some of those guys. Especially Bucks. Bucks was elite. He's got a kicking test named after him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, there you go. Yeah. So we might have missed the boat on one of those, but I'm happy with my selection, big plugger. Um, for this week's selection, we'll be choosing the hands of our ultimate footballer. Now, it's important to clarify before we select, we're talking about clean hands, ground balls, handballing ability, not marking ability. So that'll come down the track. So it's clean hands, ground balls, handballing ability. All right. Okay, so I'll go first then. Um, uh, firstly, I just think it's an art um, that's been lost out of the game. Like they're talking about changing the tackling and all that sort of stuff. I think the ability to get the ball in close, handball not like five metres to someone and get it back within, you know, a shoebox, but, you know, a good 15, 20-metre handball, giving it to someone out in front is, is a lost art. What do you think, lads? I think it's it's, yeah. it's almost dead. Like, Yeah, it's, certainly there's probably not the space to be able to use, use it that there used to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, there were some guys running around in the 90s who just, you know, made a mockery of, um, you know, having to use their feet because they could just hit blokes by hands 15, 20 metres away on the run. Especially, no especially if you can use both sides. Like, you might be a right footer yeah. um, stuck in a situation, not elite on your left leg, but if you've got your left-handed handball, you can fire out 30 metres or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a really handy tool. Yeah, definitely. And that's, and that's another thing, probably both sides of, the, um, of your body to handball. And for that reason, I haven't really chosen anyone in the game at the moment. There was two blokes that I come down to um, that I tossed up with. And that's Greg Diesel-Williams and Andrew Newton-Jarman. Um, two guys that just... I watched just, um, an old state game when there was no other football on. And those two guys are just fantastic. Their ability to find targets with their head over the ball was magnificent. And when you've got a toss-up between the Carlton player and the Crows player, you know who I'm going for, and that's the Brownlow medalist in uh, Greg Diesel-Williams. He's my man for the hands. Good choice, mate. I, I would have picked him myself if you uh, had claimed him being a Carlton man. But uh, he, was, he was good to watch, wasn't he, Diesel? Just used to rack yeah. him up. Yeah. So I've gone, um, obviously, without being able to pick Diesel, I've, I've gone for someone a little bit more modern. Um, a guy who just, yeah, fired off on both hands, left, right, and... Probably one of only a few guys in the modern game that really did um, have the art of handballing um, down pat. And that's Sammy Mitchell from the Hawks. He was just, you know, he was elite by hand, elite by foot as well, um, both sides, but by hand, he, he was fantastic as well. Yeah, I'll, sure. I'll rate that. I thought you'd be choosing human luggage. No, he's more of a kicker than a handballer. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Brownlow, isn't he? No, I don't think he win the Brownlow. Did I say that? <laughs> you did a couple of weeks ago. You said he's going to win a Brownlow one day. I said he'd win a Brownlow one day. Not going to win this year. No, I, I rate that. Now, I wasn't born when Greg Williams was dominating, so Where I haven't we? really seen him, him play a heap, but I heard he was unbelievable. Um, and I am going to go with Andrew Newton-Jarman, the great man. Bald-headed, long-sleeve warrior, clean hands and ground balls, elite by handball. Unlucky not to be a part of the two flags in 97 and 98. Uh, decorated Sample and safe footy career as well. So I'm taking my man, Jazz. Well, he had the, a coin, the, uh, the crow throw. 
back then the Crows were just so quick by hand and there's a South Australian way of playing football. So it took the yeah. AFL by storm. It was brilliant. And he's Bones elite. McDermott. Elite. All right, guys, now it's just a time for a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, Kempi, how's the love life been going lately, mate? Well, Nick, funny you mention that. I've actually got a Tinder date this weekend. But you know what? I've got nothing to wear. Damn, don't you hate that? Hey, fellas, don't you worry. What's that, Mitch? Yeah, why, Mitch? Visas Co. have you covered. Visas Co.? Who's that? Visas Co. are a new streetwear brand where you can go and buy some new sweet threads. They have clothes for men, women, kids, and even you, Kempi. You're sure to be looking fine for your day in some Visas Co. clothing. How do I get me some, Mitch? You can just go to Visas co.com.au to buy your sweet threads online plus also if you're into experimenting with design art illustrations be sure to get in touch with them they can help you grow and bring your ideas to life oh sorry mate what was that i was too busy swiping on my phone just hit up visasco.com.au and you're all sorted or alternatively you can go to the bearded triplets podcast and look at their social links on our Facebook page. Well, Mitch, I was just checking out Visas Co. website then. Kempi, you're a sure thing in those threads. Sweet. Now, as we've previously stated on our podcast, we're in no way a political podcast, but I just wanted to get your thoughts, boys, on uh, the whole Djokovic COVID-19 situation and then Nick Curios coming in and giving him a bit of a clip on social media. Oh, it's... The world's gone mad if Nick Kyrgios is the voice of reason. But, <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but he is obviously it? is. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, what, what the hell is he thinking? And I didn't actually, like, I was reading up a little bit on it, and I didn't realise that Joker, uh, what I have you say his bloody name, the Joker we'll call him because I can't say his name. Djokovic. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, he's the president of the Players Association. So... Like, give me a spell, mate. You won't be set, setting an example when you go and pull off this shit. Like, and especially if he's if he's the spokesperson, like, right now with the sporting landscape how it is, like, those elite players that they don't have, like, Djokovic, FedEx Express, Rafa, they don't have to really worry about money, so to speak. But you've got the blokes that are outside and the females as well, outside of the top 100 whose careers, if they don't play, they're almost not in jeopardy, but, you know, like, they... They need to be able to do these tournaments. And if you're going out there mucking around, not social distancing, and you're standing on that platform, and as Kempi said, head of the Players Association, I don't, well, it's not really a good look. And I don't really see how the US Open can go ahead sort of towards the end of this year with the amount of coronavirus cases over there. Australian, Australian Open might be the next big Grand, Grand Slam next year. And even that's a maybe with what's happening in Victoria at the moment. Perhaps I need to think about moving the Australian Open out of Melbourne. Jeez, cool. that'll be another Big one. Call. Memorial Drive. <laughs> yeah, bring it. Bring it to <laughs> South Australia. Just rotate through, on the, rotate through on the one court. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, the oh, I, and then what's funny is um, with the Djokovic thing is like uh, Nick Kyrgios, um, Boris Becker tried to have a crack at him. Yeah. Nick, Nick just gave him a massive backhand and he just basically said, uh, if your bloke's going to be a dickhead, I'm going to call it out, mate. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> care, which is Hot good. Bit. He says it like it is. Sometimes it gets him in trouble, but... I don't, oh, I don't mind Nick saying 
saying how it is, like that's that's a fantastic thing. But he's just going to back it up on court as well. And if he can, if he can start to do that, then the Australian public will embrace him and love him. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's just a shame that unfortunately his on on uh, court antics just overshadow some of the other stuff he does. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And boys, the NBA is about three or four weeks away from restarting again. Seem to be red flags popping up here, there, and everywhere each day. Something like about five percent of all NBA players have tested positive to COVID-19 just the last couple of weeks even. So that's about 20 or 30 players. Over here in Australia, we're losing our mind over Connor McKenna. Connor McKenna maybe testing positive. He tested positive once, then he had a few negatives straight afterwards. Um, will the NBA even get up? And they've got a lot more issues to work through than the AFL. More yeah. money at stake as well. I, I think I think it will get up. I mean, like you say, you know, it was a five percent of players have got it, but geez, you know, almost every man and his dog's got it over in America. So, to them, you know, they, they clearly in America clearly don't care about it because you know they're out doing protests and things like that, and everyone's still, you know, being in the public space and and uh, and getting the virus. So, you know, to them, I guess, yeah, it's a little bit different to here in Australia where most of the population don't have it. In South Australia, we're doing a fantastic job and. Um, in America, it's yeah, it's probably a different situation. So I think they'll play. Yeah, I yeah. think they'll play. Like, there's too much money involved, and I, I suppose probably the hardest thing is they've just got so many more complexities around the situation. Like they've got um, guys from overseas um, that have got to come back into the country. Mm-hmm. So like I was reading um, the Joker, he's got um, tested positive to COVID, so he's got to wait until he clears before he can fly, and then he's got to come in and isolate. So there's a lot of um, Things to fall into place, but I can't see it not happening. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, my my thing is like I I want it to come back. It just seems very very murky. Um, and like the AFL of jumping through a heap of hurdles over here. So with that much more money at stake and that that many more cases, like Florida is like registering record number of cases like per day, and that's where Disney World and the restart location is. US, it's just piling on still. Like, we've had, I think, like 8,000 cases total here. They're getting 30,000 cases a day, albeit a bigger country by, like, a long but way. But that's, still, um, just, yeah, that's, the, the difference between the two countries is, is immense. And, and, you know, NBA players being NBA players, we don't trust our guys to stay home and do the right thing, you know, still side bottom, yeah. obviously going out and getting on the Terps. And these American basketballers, they're, they're not going to stay inside that um Mm. Hub, I guess, over there in Disney World. <laughs> They're going to go party, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. There are a few challenges, but there's also like on the positive side, it has given like a lot of players that were carrying niggling injuries, and like I was reading Ben Simmons, he reckons it's the healthiest he's ever been um, since being over in the NBA. So it's going to actually give a look um, like it's going to be some pretty good basketball for those players that opt to play. Like the only ones. The only big names I know is that, that aren't coming back that were iffy are Durant and um, Irvine. That, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's set up well for the Lakers now because, you know, LeBron always saves his best for playoffs. And basically, these games are pretty well all playoffs now. Um, so, yeah, you know. but that's, what the, that's the thing. They should have just, like, we spoke about it a couple of weeks back, but I think they should have just gone straight into the playoffs now. Like, six teams that don't need to be there. Um, it's clearly a money thing, obviously, that they have them there, but be very tricky to navigate through is my sort of point there. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see who opts in and opts out to play, like not necessarily um, for whatever, um, for COVID reasons, but I was reading Burton's 
like has opted not to play for the Wizards because he's coming into free agency. So he's gone. Yeah. Oh, I'll just well, my, play. Well, my Thunder, um, we're in a similar situation with um, Danilo Gallinari. Like, I don't think he'll, like, he was only ever going to be a one one year player at the Thunder anyway. I think, but he's opted. Like, I, I think we're sort of a middle of the road playoff team, but. I don't sort of see – like, I thought it was pretty interesting. He's early 30s, so um, he's going to play. So there'll be a lot like Bertans, though, um, that'll just sit out because they want that big payday. I think, like, Jason Tatum and Kyle Kuzma and some of those young guys in that sort of year um, that came in, they've struck a deal with the NBA over, like, basically career-ending injuries um, and insurance. So they'll be able to get covered if they, you know, haven't been playing basketball for – you know, four months yep. and then all of a sudden come out and break their leg in 67 places. They've got some insurance there. So that's good for them. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many play and how many don't. Mm-hmm. Who's your pick, Mitch? My pick, I still think um, if LeBron, like I'm a Jordan man um, for the GOAT debate, but if LeBron can win a third title, sorry, a fourth title, fourth title total, but a title with a third different team, mm. um, I reckon that puts him into a bit of a different stratosphere. But then, like, it pains me to say it, but the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George, it'll, I think it'll either be one of the two LA teams. Yeah, so no one from the East? If the anyone's going to be able to do it, it'll be the Bucks yeah, well, or the Celtics. Um, but even the Raptors have been all right, but I don't know. I don't – just the powerhouse and the, the key pillars on both the LA teams are the ones that I reckon will get through. Alrighty, guys, moving into Lockerty and Mitch now. Dillo, you thought Richmond would bounce back and <laughs> smack St. Kilda by 45 in round four. Unfortunately. Yeah, good call, me. Well done. <laughs> unfortunately, you couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, <laughs> and Kempi, you tipped the Eagles to miss the eight. They lost in round four and they were due to play the Tigers, but they ended up having to play Sydney after the fixture change and they got a win there. But you could be on the money. That originally, hey, that cost you. Yeah, yeah I but, think that cost me. I think Richmond would have beaten them the way they were tracking. And that win for Sydney just sort of gets a little bit of momentum back for them. And I suppose yeah. with that, that probably leads into my lock it in. And I think with West Coast um, going into playing um, two potential wooden spooners in the Crows and Fremantle, that Josh <laughs> Kennedy is going to bounce back to form. He's only kicked six goals so far for 2020. But my lock it in this week is Josh Kennedy to kick 10 plus goals um, over the next two weeks. So lock that in, Mitch. Done. I like it. I like it. Well, he needs to. He needs to fire for West Coast if they're going to play finals. So. Yeah, true. So, so my uh, lock it in, spoke about it earlier, but is for the Dogs to finish top four um, in 2020. I think yeah, they're just starting to get their, their feet back again. Got the super impressive midfield, bringing a lot of contested balls around the football. And I think it's, it's purely also out of, there's not a lot of other contenders. I don't see Collingwood being the team that everyone thinks they are. Um, uh, Port Adelaide obviously going to be maybe around the mark GWS, but there's not a lot of guys, uh, sorry, teams that have put their hand up and said, no, we're, we're real contenders this year. I think the Bulldogs, they keep going the way they're going. There's no reason they can't be. So lock that one in, Mitch. Perfect. So I'm going to give you guys one apiece. So Kempi, I'm giving you last week's win. Um, so you won a piece. Now, if the Doggies go and win two games in a row, I'll be giving Nick the, the one up as long as uh, Josh Kennedy doesn't kick 10. But I like them. I like them a lot. All right, so now it's time to move into this week's edition of Minute with Mitch. I'm joined by a superstar of South Australian football, 
former Adelaide Crow and current co-host of the Rush Hour on Triple M Adelaide. In his football career, he played 216 sample games for North Adelaide and Norwood, winning two McGarry medals, three best and fairests, and two premierships. He also played 110 games for the Adelaide Crows in the AFL and pulled three Brownlow medal votes in their debut match against Hawthorne in 1991. He's the one and only Andrew Jarwin, or as he is commonly known as, Jars. Welcome, Jars. Thanks for joining me on The Minute with Mitch. Let's get straight into it. Yep, go. Beards or goatees? Beards. Stubbies or cans? Oh, I love the cans. Chicken or beef schnitzels? Chicken schnitzel, my friend, with uh, pepper sauce uh, gravy, thank you. Burgers or steaks? Oh, I love the burger. Chicken burger any day. North Adelaide or Norwood? Oh, God. North Adelaide. Riley or Charlie? Oh, no. 50-50. Darren or Andrew? Uh, Andrew any time. Your performance in 1987 or 1997? Uh, 87 for me. Rue or Ditz? Rue. Ditz is a squash player, mate. Most talented teammate? Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, I'd have to I'd have to throw in... For, look, for me, being biased is my younger brother, Darren. And, 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 a, and a close second would be uh, the great Gary McIntosh. Toughest opponent? Toughest would have been Greg Williams uh, when I came out of NFL. Gary McIntosh um, for, uh, for Norwood was very tough. Buddha Hocking, without doubt. Those were the three that I always had uh, nightmares about. Western Australia or Victoria? Who did you prefer going against in state footy? Victoria was always the one that you, you, you lived and breathed for uh, as a young South Australian growing up. And it, um, it was always Victoria and, and either playing in here or at Football Park on a Tuesday night or over there in Victoria on the MCG. My, I think my last state game was the game where the great man Teddy Whitten did that uh, you know, lap of honour. Lap of honour. Um, yep. that, that was a very emotional day and yeah, we were up against it even before the first bounce but the Victoria absolutely and, and, it's, and it's, it's, it's terrible well, not terrible I really feel for young South Australians playing in the AFL that don't get that opportunity to play State of Origin against Victoria Most memorable football moment throughout your career? Look, AFL for me was, was the first game ever played so, you know, like we Three Brownlow votes, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, I think I think David Marshall should have got the three votes because he, he he played. I thought he played beautifully that night. So that was a great memory that I'll always cherish. Uh, my first state game, uh, I'll always cherish. And then um, and then the opportunity to play with my brother was a, was a moment that I'll always cherish. And then the two premierships. So the '87 Grant the Premiership. Don't forget we lost '85, '86. So we're under enormous amount of pressure as a side because we were top two side for the last you know six seven years under the great Michael Noonan and then and then yeah and that was something that I'll always cherish because yeah the pressure we were under as a a club and and players was enormous so we just had to kick Glenelg on the back foot so and then and just and every game you play is is, is a game that you I always felt it was was special I was just lucky to play a lot of football and play with some great people and be involved in some great clubs and yeah so all you want to do is be, leave the game in a better place and, and, and leave with some respect It was great to have Andrew Jarwin on the show this week, my pick for the hands um, in our ultimate footballer stay tuned for some potential more bonus content from our chat with Jars over the next week or so now Nico, 
it's time for your list now, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Mitch. Um, as our listeners would have seen on our socials, this uh, week's list is top five Super or Mario Kart characters. Purely because yeah, I, <laughs> I bought a Nintendo Switch this week, and me and the young fella Harry, a four-year-old, have been playing it uh, religiously since. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's as good enough time as any. It's an interesting game um, on the Switch. It's a bit different to the old old school. Uh, Mario Kart's were probably a bit harder with you know, Rainbow Roads and things like that. They made it a bit easier for kids and everything now, but still good fun. So, do you guys ever play it much when you were kids? Yeah. I Love played that. it a bit. Um, not as much as sort of Crash Bandicoot on the PS2, but I, um, I did play a bit of it, yeah. I loved it when you can get the four controls and play four on four. We used to have... Uh, get a keg and put on uh, Super Mario Kart and away you <laughs> I'll go. Tell, I'll tell you when I did play, I did play in year 11 at school when I was supposed to be doing work on my laptop. <laughs> I just, just, just switch it over, switch screen, just year, used to dominate with Yoshi. Year 12, we used to um, finish up early on Fridays and we'd, we'd go get a carton of two dogs. I don't know if you're probably too young to remember two dogs camping. Two dogs? Uh, sorry, Mitchy. Yeah, to remember two dogs? Yeah, <laughs> get a couple of cartons. lemonade. Yeah, a couple of cartons of two dogs. Um, Wash it down sh- with some lemon rushkies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to get a shitload of hot chips and make hot chip sandwiches and play Nintendo 64 all day and all night. And Mario Kart was nice. one of those games. So so we'll get, get stuck into the list. So uh, number five. Let's oh, say I better clarify. I, I never got into main characters very much because you'd always go i never had a nintendo so i'd always played at somebody else's house and they'd always pick you know marios um you know toads and guys like that uh, yoshi so i never really ever picked those ones so i was always stuck with someone else which is good because uh i got to know the other characters so number five i have gone for a bit of a main character he's one of the originals um i, I don't mind old luigi mitch you look a little bit like luigi <laughs> yeah at the luigi, moment mate. at the moment i do just need a green hat and some overalls and i'll be uh Way to go. Yeah, no, he was good, Luigi. Just, you know, a bit of a point of difference from, from Mario. So, uh, seems that seems that way. Like, Mario is just like just the obvious choice. Just to be yeah. different, you just choose Luigi. Yeah, pretty well. And I reckon a lot of little brothers and sisters would have mm. gone Luigi because the older brother uh, or sister might have taken Mario. Yeah, so. good point. Uh, number four, I'm not sure if you guys know about this one, but he's, his name is Shy Guy. He's like this little red creature with a, with a mask on. And, uh, yeah, shout, shout out to Lewis Oranger. Uh, he, I played on the Switch with him the other week, actually, at his place, yep. and he loved Pink Shy Guy. He kept yep. going on about. So I think yeah, he I commented did see that, that on the socials. socials as well. Yeah. It sounds like I'm going to be a bit out of my depth here, by the sounds of it. I'm a grown man, so I don't play video games. <laughs> no, here we go. Mate, I'm, I'm, I'm 37 in a couple of days, and I, I, I play them religiously. I love it. But yeah, Shy Guy's good, very fast, small, um, zips around the track. Very good fun. Number three, Big Bowser. Love Bowser, the big boy. Isn't he too heavy? The big fella. He's heavy, so he, but once he gets up and going, he just smashes through the other uh, races and lots of fun. Nothing better than just ramming into Peach. Saw that pop up on our socials a bit, Bowser. Yeah, he's, he's a popular one. Nothing better than running over Peach with Bowser, <laughs> uh, who I hate. I hate Peach. Anyone who picks Peach is dead to me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, number two. A uh, bit sexist. That's not sexist. I just don't like her. She, she, <laughs> she always wins. You used to play in uh, Mario Kart in 64 and she'd always knock you off. Uh, number two is the uh, Cooper Trooper. He's the little... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, with his turtle shell and little turtle guy. Um, a bit like Bowser, one of the Bowser's henchmen. But uh, good fun. Always good fun going with Cooper, Cooper Trooper because he just got, got the job done. No fuss. 
just a good average all-round racer. And number one, could not go past the uh, the man in yellow, the anti-Mario, a Wario. I'm a Wario. I'm a gonna win. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Hey, when he came in oh, the game on Nintendo 64, he just he just I picked him every single time, and that is the greatest Nintendo. Um, the Mario Kart game was on the 64, so Wario is my pick for number one. I think we've just found our soundbite for the, <laughs> for the sniffer. <laughs> yeah, uh, see, I'm filthy you didn't pick Yoshi. He's so fast. I love Yoshi. Yeah, I have I have a mate, uh, Pat, who, who loves Yoshi. And for that reason, I, I couldn't pick him because he always went Yoshi and he always used to beat me. So, What about um, Toad? Do you like Toad? No, nah, not a Toad fan, no. Nah. I picked Toad. That's purely because I like eating mushrooms. But <laughs> what kind? Not, I don't even know. I don't know what sort of special abilities that had when, when I played or anything like that. It was just I like eating mushrooms. I picked the Toad. And All and right. probably un- unlucky to miss out on that list was Donkey Kong. Don't mind Donkey well, Kong. He's a bit top heavy. Yeah. Little little car, and then he just topples over. But yeah, I like that, Nico. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, chuck that up on the on the socials throughout the week um, coming up. So make sure you. Let us know what you thought of Nico's uh, list there. Um, moving into last drinks now. This is our beer review segment. As always, I'm handing the reins over to the great man, Kempi, for this one. How'd you go over the last fortnight, mate? Yes, good, thank you, Mitchell. Um, I ventured into the local um, establishery and... Uh, <laughs> Are you drunk, yeah? Establishery. <laughs> Well, I forgot to, I I had to drink the beers this morning to get a review in, so I just went, (laughs) just knocked down the door at 9am. I tell a lie, I just just can't speak normally. So I went down to the local BWS, how about that? That's a bit easy to say. And I grabbed a couple of beers because I couldn't really decide. So the first one um, was from a company called Culture House. It was a Berliner Weiss beer and it was raspberry flavoured. So I'm putting this... Yeah, it's like a, a like a white beer, I think. So I'm putting this under the grey beards category, and I'm giving it three grey beards out of five. I didn't actually mind it. It probably to me tasted more like a cider um, with a raspberry flavour, but then that little bit of beer it sort of yeah tang or taste at the end of it. Have you guys had like had one of those white beers or wheat beers and any of those before? I know not with the, not with the raspberry. Yeah, that's that's an odd one. I'd, I'd like to taste it. But I can be good. Yeah, I've like, had some. Was it tangy? Uh yeah, not super tangy, but yeah, yeah just yeah. I know what you mean. It's so, it, it was like a fruity beers that aren't like it's more like a fruity aftertaste rather than like in your face tang. Mm. Yeah. Now this is sort of more like a cidery sort of taste, but then like the beer sort of aftertaste with it. But I didn't mind it. Like it was like a. I might buy a six pack to take it to a barbie on a Sunday or something, but probably wouldn't be buying a carton of it. Um, and the next one, uh, there's more the labelling that caught my eye for this one. It was called, it's from a company called Zytho Brewing, um, and it was Tropical Haze. Now, interesting fact, um, they got the name Zytho from the term Zythophile, which is someone that loves all things beer. I think we've really? got three um, Zytho files 
on the hookup at the moment. Yeah. I was I was a massive off the file last night. <laughs> yeah, you're looking, you're looking pretty seedy there, Nico. I'm feeling seedy. <laughs> so it's going to be my word of the month, I think, Zytho file. So nice. I'll sit under that category. So yeah, Zytho Brewing, and they had a beer called Tropical Haze. And um, yeah, it was really nice. Um, I gave it three and a half ginger beards out of five. Ginger beards is sort of that more fruity type flavor. Um, bit of a spice. So it had a sort of, as it would suggest a sort of a tropical fruity flavor, but it had that IPA bite at the end of it. I really liked it. It was sort of like a session with that IPA sort of spiciness to it. So it was quite nice. One and a half standard drink. So it was a little bit probably on the heavier side, um, but yeah, I didn't Good. mind it. Yeah, I might have to try that one, I reckon. Absolutely. Righto, lads. I think we're just about done here. Any final thoughts from you two? Nothing about the crows, I hope. No, nothing about the crows. I don't I've think got a, anyone wants to talk about the crows in the moment, do they? Or anything no. else? Got a song. Free yep. here we go. We <laughs> are the free old duckers. All right, so I've got, <laughs> got two crowds. We've got, we 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 got one. Free old duckers. <laughs> we've got uh, Nico's uh, Wario voice, and we've got Kempi's rendition of the Frio song. I like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. That is episode three, season one of the Bearded Triplets. As I said at the start, thanks to our podcast partners. If you know anybody that would like to sponsor our show or come on board as a partner, get in touch with us. Um, We'll speak to you again next fortnight. Now remember, spread the word, be a legend, and grow a beard. You've been listening to The Bearded Triplets. Make sure you find the team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Bearded Triplets. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and review the show on any platform you stream for your podcast. Thank you very much for listening on behalf of Mitch, Kempe, and Dillo. We'll see you next time.